Hey guys, welcome to Rankin' Vile, the podcast where we rank every single horror movie ever made. And on this episode, uh, filling in for Quincy, we have Glory Hallelujah, Luke and Lars from Sword and Board Podcast. Hey, how you doing? Hello, everybody. So, uh, Luke, you've, of course, uh, I... I I don't know. Like we've, I feel like uh, our uh, sword and board and rank and vile have been like circling each other for like the last few years. Like, <laughs> not quite a sister podcast, but like a cousin podcast. Um, Lars and Luke, I wanted to ask uh, the the question that I like to uh, ask everybody uh, when they're on the show is, what is your background with horror? Like, how like did you grow up sort of loving it, or did you come to it later? Um, well, for me, and again, super super excited to be um, be on the show today. Um, really have enjoyed listening to your work and that's why we we ripped y'all off for our podcast um, oh my god i'm so but, excited to have you guys on like sword and board is is one of the best podcasts going like you got it's it's i'm so fucking stoked so um um for horror i for me my first horror memory was watching john carpenter's halloween and my parents knew all the jump scare parts and my mom hid behind the couch when some of them would come up and she'd grab me Ah, that's man. And so she gave you like the full experience. The full, like yeah, it, it was like a what's that William Castle, like you know the four D experience. Like there's like smell rama, <laughs> like the chairs shook. So my like mom, a, she's, was, she, she's got like a spritz bottle of ex- mist. Exactly, yeah. So my mom like recreated that, and I and ever since then I've just been just hooked. And you know, I, I my tastes run everywhere from the really highbrow weird stuff to the gory cheesy slasher stuff and everywhere in between um i I would say that that horror is probably my 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 biggest guilty pleasure is 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 this genre so um but it it really stemmed from mom jumping out from the couch when michael myers hid behind a bush that was that's where it started i I am way too much of a fighty cat um i i there are certain horror movies that i like because a bad horror movie, I just sit there and I'm bored, and a good one, I'm terrified for three days straight, looking at you, The Ring. Right. Um, and <laughs> Woof. Which, by the way, that movie holds the fuck so, up. So, as, as Lars just mentioned, uh, our mother, with her perfect comedic timing, you, me, and I remember vividly you, me, and Dad watching The Ring, and then my mom immediately calling the house phone as, as soon as the movie's over. Showmanship. Yeah. Um, my first experience with horror is my dad, who's the reason I think Lars and I are the way we are. Mm-hmm. Um, he's saying to me, would you like to watch John Carpenter's The Thing at a to a five-year-old? Wow! That, the, that, is, that is the age you want to watch that movie at. Yeah. Good yes. fucking gravy. Absolutely. <laughs> it's great. It's, it's not that bad. At the same time, though, I think that's why I don't like horror movies. It's, it's, <laughs> and see, you had that experience. It's still, like, my top five. Oh, I'm yeah. At, I'm that at is... the point where I can't... No, I love that movie, but I... My enjoyment of, of John Carpenter's The Thing now isn't watching it, is it's introducing it to people who have never seen it before and don't know anything about it. That's the thing, is you can you can really love a movie, but it's sort of like, look, I love apples. I don't love it when they're hurled directly at my eye. You know what I mean? Like, watching The Thing before your brain is done cooking and you are, like, just this side of shitting mustard. Like, yeah. Like, that movie, I saw The Thing on cable when I was, like, 12 the, the first time, and 
I feel like it's it's one of those movies that you're. I mean, I don't know. I'm 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 a 34 year old, and every time I watch it now, I I genuinely kind of feel like, no, that's an actual alien I'm looking mm-hmm. at. Like this is honest to yes. god, just a thing I'm watching. There's different scenes, and I appreciate each time I watch it. Like you know, the last yeah. time I watched it, I, I watched it every Halloween or, or each you know October, and like the last time it was the dog scene again. And the, oh, the yeah. kennel scene was just, it was incredible. And it's just so creepy. And that dog performance, that oh, animal, man. like when he just gets in and it's, there's something not right about that dog. Yeah. That, I, I, that, that dog <laughs> is like the Daniel Day Lewis of dog actors. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> Yeah, I just picture I just picture all of the other actors being like, "Yep, he was a complete professional. Uh, he was a right. polite work with on set. You know, he's a total gentleman. Never uh, broke character. Yeah, like, always an, an odd alien dog, but was fine." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's a thing that uh, my partner Christina pointed out is like the things in a movie that's so fucked up you can't even trust the dog. Mm-hmm. Um, it's yeah, yeah that that kennel scene. The bit that always kills me is the the one dog trying to get out of the kennel by chewing through the chain link right yeah, it's really it's uh i'm oof. sorry dog you're you're screwed you're you're, you're, yeah. you're it's 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 pointless at this <laughs> this juncture I, 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 listen i'm just covered in translucent goo chewing through a chain link fence maybe this night will end okay for me i don't know <laughs> I've had stranger. Maybe. I've had stranger evenings. It's it's fine. <laughs> exactly. I'm on, listen. I'm on a base with Kurt Russell in the middle of Antarctica. I've seen some shit. You know, like this is this is like the third weirdest thing that's happened to me out, out of space. Um, so let's let's jump into uh, the movie we're doing for this week. God damn. We so uh, Ghostbusters two. Dose. Which oh yeah, it's it is now. This is actually I saw Ghostbusters two as a kid before I saw Ghostbusters. Um. So it yeah. So tell me, tell me about uh, y'all's background with this movie. Like, did you was this a, a childhood favorite, or was this like how did what, how did how did this happen for you? Ghostbusters is a it's a, such a strange th- it's a, such a strange artifact and such a strange movie that became a kids movie when mm-hmm. objectively it's not. Like, there's the there's the real Ghostbusters, and there's all the toys, and there's all the the high C ecto cooler it is heavily marketed towards children but objectively watching it it is a it is not a kids movie and it's really fascinating for that i bring this up because uh, a couple of years ago we went through a grand purge of all of our childhood toys and all of our childhood things mm-hmm. and there were what three or four dunk uh Just buckets. Trash can, <laughs> buckets and trash cans full of ghostbusters toys yeah um, the f- the first I, thing i remember saving up for with my allowance was the trap because I oh, had, I, I had a proton pack, but up until I had the trap, my ghost catching was more of a catch and release policy. I had nothing to then, <laughs> you, were bring them. A, you were just a, go- you were just a dick to ghosts. You held them. For right. Like while. I held them for like, ah, I go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually that was I I had the same trap with like the little uh it, it had the little pump action thing exactly. you step on yep. and the doors it. open. Yep. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um I, that that was like the Cadillac of toys when, yes. when, when we were kids. <laughs> um Ghostbusters for me it was it, it's kind of like Star Trek or Star Wars. I don't remember a time that there wasn't Ghostbusters. Yeah. Now, I was born in 84. Yeah. So like it came out the year I was born. But so I I I just don't remember ever seeing it for the first time. Or, or like, Back to the Future 2. Like, I'm probably... Back to the Future, Star Wars, Star Trek, and Ghostbusters. I don't remember it not being there. It was just always there. And Yeah. Because my dad loved it, and my mom, like, you know, liked it a lot. It's funny. So we'd watch it, and it just... 
it was just always there. Um, I think we saw Ghostbusters 2 in the theater. Oh, wow. Because it was 89. Yeah, and I yeah. would have been a, a year and a half. And the thing is, it feels like a very 1989 movie to me because I feel like in the mid to late 80s, Hollywood was all in on every character in the movie turning to the camera and saying, New York City, am I right? Yeah. And it's, you know, it's a thing that I... I've, I've, I've thought about this a lot because, like, I've, I, I, I really like New York City, even though it smells like garbage juice and it's cold all the time. Um, <laughs> and the thing with New York City is that I feel like if I live in New York City and I'm dealing with, like, that kind of rent and that kind of weather and everything smells like garbage juice all the time, I'm also going to be like, it is a moral uh, triumph on my part that I live in New York City and I want movies to tell me that I'm cool for living here. You need that yeah. validation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's yeah. that that uh, that Patton Oswalt bit about how he moved to New York City for a month <laughs> and then hated it. Uh, yeah, yeah, and like this movie is just it is it is lousy with New York City. Now, all right, so it what's incredible about this movie? So we we start off. Uh, it's it's a bit odd the way it starts up because you know end of uh, the original Ghostbusters they 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 triumph uh, over Gozer and uh, everything is fine. Um, but now they've got it. They're being sued for property damage uh, done to New York City during the events of the film, which is great. Uh, and it's yeah. it's almost it's like the the beginning of Spider-Man: Homecoming, where you mm-hmm. get to see like the subcontractors like fixing New York after the Chitari have come out of the sky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I do. The, I, there I, I there do are the, consequences to superheroing. I love, and that's actually why I like the first half of this movie better than the second half. Mm-hmm. The con because it, it deals with the consequences of the first movie. You never see that, and that was really interesting. Yep. Well, yeah. Well, and, and also, you know, it's it's like uh, you, you would think that after the events of the first movie, they've set up shop. They're a New York, like a New York institution. Right. They're out here doing it. And uh, the band breaks up pretty much immediately after the events of Ghostbusters. We've got, uh, what, we've got Ray is running uh, an occult bookstore. And does um, birthday parties on the side. Where Which they, is the where they s- chance He-Man in 1989. That's like the most soul-crushing scene in the movie, actually, yes. is Win- Ray and Winston playing a kid's birthday party, and then they're doing the job for He-Man. Although like, I do lo- I do love the implication that that either they contracted to or Ray Parker was just such a huge fan of them that they had their own theme song made in universe. Yes. Whoa. So Ray Parker canonically exists in the Ghostbusters With, universe. Correct, cuz he plays the, they play the theme song and they, they sing do. along to it. So and they've got a, they've got a little dance and everything? Yeah. And so either he was such a big fan of them that he made a song pro bono, which probably not, or they <laughs> they they paid him to make a song. Maybe that was like their their attempt to like, hey, we need to get back into the good graces. We'll, we'll have a PR campaign, and Ray Parker Jr. will make a theme song for us, and it just oh, never man. took hold. Maybe this was like party all the time by Eddie Murphy, and they were like, "All right, we've got a no- we've got we've got a novelty single. We're gonna get back. You know, Ghostbusters are back, baby. Look, we've even got a theme." And then it just, yeah, honestly, yeah, like Winston. I feel like one of my main complaints about Ghostbusters Two is that Winston doesn't really have shit to do. In 
the movie? He doesn't have a whole lot to do in the first one either, other than just be, he's the everyman coming in afterwards to show how overworked they are. When, like, in the original script of the original one, he's actually supposed to be, like, a former Marine, and so much smarter, he's supposed to be so much smarter than them, but he's just, he's there to be the, uh, he's supposed to be, like, a guy who comes in to, to help out because he's smarter than them in ways that they aren't. And yet he right. kind of just gets reduced to never appearing on any of the promotional materials. Correct. Yeah, which is also uncomfortable uncomfortable because you're like, oh, that's racist. Like yeah. the black the black guy getting getting buried in the mix. And honestly, I think it's I, I do fucking love the line he has from the first Ghostbusters where they're like, you know, do you believe in the occult? Do you believe in like ghosts and shit? And he's just like, if you're paying me, I'll believe whatever I'll the fuck you want. Right. <laughs> and he, so there's that. And then Egon uh, is, which by the way, Egon, I had the toy of Egon from real Ghostbusters with the, uh, with the, the blonde poof uh, on it. Yes. Which, yeah. Yeah. He's working in a laboratory uh kind of just uh, like a like a workmanlike lab and then we get Peter Venkman who is uh the a a a smarmadon he is a smarmosaurus rex uh, yes. and he's he's doing a show uh about psychics and what is so first off what kind of scientist is egon one because he's like a particle physicist because he makes the proton pack but then now he's doing some sort of psychiatric research on parents and what happens when we <laughs> let's let's see what happens when we, when we remove the puppy. He wears um, a lot of lab coats. You know, yes. it's him and Dana actually for career trajectories because <laughs> Dana you. in in the previous movie is a cellist and in this movie like she's a classically is a... trained cellist. She's on the New York Symphony. She is at the apex of her career. <laughs> And she took a job. She took a job restoring paintings because she it gives her more time with her child. How? It's, How? Yeah, it's a natural progression. Because I'm pretty sure that cleaning priceless works of art also requires that level of classical training. So wouldn't <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, you know, it's it's very to me. It's a very uh, the thing that I'm always struck by when I go back and watch the Ghostbusters movies is they are just like soaked in Reagan in some ways. Oh my! Like, it is the '80s movie who's that's ever '80s. Oh yeah, and like, and not that it's like co-signing and saying, "Haha, Reaganism is great," but you know, you get that line from the first one where uh, you know, uh, uh, Peter Venkman and Ray Stance are both from academia, and then you know, you get Ray Stance being like, you know, they're they're going into business, and he's like, "I've worked in the private sector. They ha- they expect results." Well, Reaganism. Or, or everyone has three mortgages these days. Like when uh, they yeah. sell his the, prim- home. the primary antagonist of the first movie isn't Gozer; it's Walter Peck of it's the, the EPA. EPA. It's the it's, it's the regulations. EPA. It's regulations. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's 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 the problem. Is all this red tape? You know, like it's, and in a way that like I don't think that the movie is necessarily co-signing that stuff, but it's just unavoidable. So and I, so I actually I watched them. I watched both of them yesterday. And in the first one, as they're doing their, their busting montage and going through, they have all these magazine covers talking about ghosts. Mm-hmm. And one of them is from uh, The Atlantic, and it says, uh, go, uh, the, the politics of the paranormal, do ghosts have civil rights? Ooh, mm. hachi machi. That's... That you know what they're gonna like they're they're, they're just gonna si- drop that and then back away. They and they're they're semi sapient creatures that they imprison without trial in uh, hell dimension. 
That's true. Do the Scolari brothers wow. have human rights? Like, can can you detain them in a box the size of a mason brick? Um, without without trial and without counsel. And um, Ghostbusters, bra- you know, bravely takes the stance that yes, fuck them. <laughs> right. Yeah, fuck ghosts. Well, because um, because we... they're schlubby exterminators. Yeah, they're, they're just yeah. They're, and and it's to you know, I, I love you know. Again, we we see the little snippets of what they're doing now, and the fact that Bill Murray, he was a con man the whole time. In the mm-hmm. first one, and of course he's now a game, like a, a TV show con man. You're not like um, any scientist I know. You're more like a game show host, right? Yeah. One, yeah, Peter. Yeah, he's mumbling. This is all. all there's, there's a couple things that I've always wondered about this movie. He's mumbling something like you know it's that like, hey, the show's about to start. I've been talking to the guests. He's mumbling something, and you can catch parts of it. Do we actually know what he's saying? I've always wondered what he says. I I assume that it's just because it's Bill Murray. I assume that he's just like babbling about what he'd e- eaten for lunch that day, and then and then was like, oh, and then lines. He <laughs> oh, I have to act yeah. now. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I, and, and that's the, the my lunch thing with Peter from someone else. Yeah, which yeah, no one will ever believe you. Um, he <laughs> thing is that Peter Venkman. I've realized that uh, the the success of his character, and I do love Peter Venkman as a character, and I can't help that. And the entire reason for that is that it's Bill Murray. Like if you got like Jim Belushi to play Peter Vankman, he would Ugh. be a greasy, sleazy, disgusting man, and we would all hate him. Yep, 100%. Like, it just especially because in that first movie, he is super pushy with Dana, with like, I think I'm wearing her down. Like, and he's just, he's a creep, but he's also he Bill He shows Mar- up to their date with Thorazine. Yeah. yeah that, so that is un- uncomfortable. Hi, yay, yay. And so, yeah, but he's he's doing the show uh, about psychics, and it's, yeah, the scene totally works for me because of, like, I, I don't know, I always kind of love I'm washed up and doing this gig that I hate, but I'm, like, charming enough that I can have a go of it sort of characters. Uh, it, it, it's it, it's great. Like, the so everything comes back together when uh, Dana, who... By the way, why did they go, all right, Dana and uh, Peter Venkman are probably going to get together in the first movie, and then five years pass, she got married to somebody else, divorced that someone else, and had a baby named Oscar. Because it allows them to, because this is basically the same movie, this is this is a Control-C, Control-V of Ghostbusters, <laughs> right. but with, uh, with a find and replace of Gozer with Vigo. Yeah, 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 and Vigo, who, yeah, Vigo is played by the worst man who's ever lived. Um, are you are you guys familiar with this uh, the actor who plays Vigo? He was in Mouth no. of Madness. That's all I know. Yep, yeah, uh, v- uh, Wilhelm von Homburg, uh, who was a uh, boxer in his youth. Um, look, he, there's like Klaus Kinski levels of this was a terrible, terrible man. Mm. Um, in 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 real life, and he plays. And I gotta say, he knocks it out of the park as a creepy painting. Yep. Yeah. Seriously um, considered mailing you a copy, uh, mailing you a canvas print of that right after, uh, right after your son was born, Lars. Uh, Holy Christ! <laughs> just, just hey, look what I found at a yard sale. Great. Um, it's like a, it's, it's like it's, a reverse Dorian Gray. Right. It's and it's Max von Sydow's voice, right? 
Yeah, yeah, it's definitely Max von Sydow's voice, uh, and he now it's he's basically just like what he uh, Vigo the Carpathian. Oh, he was like sort of a Vlad the Impaler, like sort of yes. warlord yeah, yes. slash Rasputin character. Yes. Yes. Yeah, and he is possessing this painting. Now, we also get uh, Janusz uh, as a character who, God, the 80s was having a love affair with any character that was like bulky Bartokomus adjacent. <laughs> uh-huh. And I loved, I thought Peter McNichol was great yeah. in oh, this. Yeah. Um, B- Biscuit he, he from Ally McBeal was wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> he seems to be the only person in the movie also who is actively enjoying being there. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, yes. everybody else is tired. Uh, mm-hmm. But he's now Peter McNichol. I'll always go to bat for because of how much I used to watch uh, Adam's Family Values when I was a kid. Uh, if you needed uh, an excitable little wiener man during this period, he was your guy. You'd want him on the horn. Yes. Uh, and Janusz, who uh, the movie like also sort of points out that he is sort of uh, demographically ambiguous. The upper, like, ve- the upper vest side. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's up of his side. It's like it's he he's he's like Finnish by way of Venezuelan, um, and he is uh, he sort of becomes the Renfield for uh, Vigo the Carpathian. Which, by the way, he also plays literal Renfield in Dracula Dead and Loving It. So there's a right. weird trajectory for Peter McNichol. Yeah, um, and yeah, and so uh, what Peter sort of drifts. He like. Tokyo drifts back into Dana's life somehow. Well, they they uh, they tell him she calls Ray because paranormal experience, and she you know actually is friends with these people, but says specifically, "Don't tell Peter that I I called you because I don't want to deal with Peter," which implies so much. Right. Which which one? Lana ha- like th- this movie. It's a movie of coincidences. So we have like you know Dana. You know the, the story wrapped up that 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 Gozer and Zul and all them weren't targeting Dana because she was like this vessel for anything. She just lived in the apartment, like she lived right. in this in this building. But now all the slimes popping up all over the city, and it targets her again, and it targets targets Oscar. But there's so many yeah. other kids in the city. Like if Vigo's just looking for a kid to like come <laughs> back to, you ha- you can pick any of them. You know, that's the thing about New York City. Lousy with kids. Lousy with kids. They're they're all over the place. But then the same thing with Lewis Tully was an accountant, but now he's a lawyer because we need a lawyer. (laughs) You know, and so there's all these things. Um, I did want to, real quick, before we we move past the opening scenes with with Bill Murray's show, this was a Mm -hmm. missed opportunity, in my opinion, after watching it, that he's talking to these two people that know when the world's going to end. And one of yep. them thinks it's going to end on New Year's Eve, which it actually ends up almost happening. Being, yeah. And the other Shit, one, uh, the, the other one thinks it's going to be on Valentine's Day. Why did they ever Probably. cut back to those people? Yeah, just like, like him, one of him being just sort like, of like him watching at the TV who, and like I knew it. Like yeah, it, looking it, at the person yeah. next to her, like oh sure, I'm the crazy one. Right, exactly. It could have been an easy <laughs> joke, but like it would have tied everything back in. I yeah, thought that, that was just a missed opportunity there. Yeah, I mean, and and that's that's kind of the thing, is that after the events of the first movie, it both makes sense to me and makes no sense to me that the rest of the world is like, ghosts don't exist. Like, motherfucker, you saw the Stay Puffed, by God, Marshmallow Man, (laughs) rocking down 42nd Street, 
and you're still like, yeah, I'm unimpressed. I live in New York. And you're just, I, you know, like, exactly. this is one of those events that it's like fucking Watchmen. Like, this will change the world. This yes. fucking hell creature just popping out. Um, but they, uh, listen, New York is unimpressed. And to, sh- and to prove it. What have you um, done for me now? <laughs> or lately or whatever. <laughs> Yeah, and so uh, New York. Uh, Do you know is... what I see on the subway every day? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we're, we're we're we live in a post pizza rat world. You know, like you see Stay right. Puft, you're like, whatever. Yeah. What else you got? Um, and yeah, so New York is covered in a uh, a gently flesh colored slime uh, that we are made aware is emotion slime, which sort of I, I sort of ties in with Egon's work as an emotion scientist now. Yeah. He's working. Yeah, he's she's trying to figure out how how emotions affect the psychic world, the psychic world around you. Which okay, all right, you you've you've laid some of the groundwork immediately. Sure. Like, and it's a throwaway gag, and you've got that how you know positive and negative. You've you've got the positivity and the negativity of the. They're slowly cranking up the heat on these people who they're they're actively destroying their marriage. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Completely. Like it's that is, yeah. It's not going to recover. No, it's you're you're not going to bounce back from this. There are no listen. It's 1989. Therapy wasn't even like invented until 1992 in New York City, and then on every <laughs> sitcom. Um, now, the, I, I I will say about uh, Ray Stance and the Emotion Goo. Um, these movies make me more aware of Ray Stance's penis than I care to be. Um, at any go, given time, go on. He gets, because he gets the ghost blowy in the first one. Yes, and that's and, a whole and, deleted scene. Oh, that's true. That's yeah. yeah. And and then in this one, uh, they've got the the jar of goo, and you get Peter being like, "You're not sleeping with it, are you, Ray?" And the movie itself is like. Yo, he's getting his dick sticky with this goo. Like, it's, I don't, listen, Dan Aykroyd's penis, as far as I'm aware, Dan Aykroyd is like a Ken doll down there. I don't want to know about any external genitals Dan Aykroyd may or may not have. So he apparently included the the ghost blowy scene. That was super important for him to have that in that movie. Of course it was. Because, no, no, no. Because it's a whole deleted scene where there's they go to a castle and they he gets possessed by like a by, by like a, a former colonel or general from the Civil War or something. It doesn't matter. Uh, he included it because uh, apparently, according to him, that happened to a friend of his, and it was super important. It was super important to the friend, so it became super important for Dan Aykroyd to say yes. Ghosts can give blowjobs. <laughs> And that's where we find out that Dan Aykroyd actually believes that Ghostbusters is a documentary. Yeah, yeah he, he's on screen the entire time. He didn't even have lines. He was right. just responding to everything in real time. Right. Yeah. Man, that's actually, um, I love knowing that Lucy Liu also claims to have once fucked a ghost. Um, it's, listen, I mean, that's the thing. Like, I, I love experiences like this that I can't prove that Dan Aykroyd's friend didn't get blown by a ghost. So, like... Mazel tov, I guess. Like they, yeah. So I, you know what? Good, good on uh, uh, a good buddy Dan Aykroyd for going. Well, my friend, this was a very formative experience for them. So I, I gotta put the ghost blowjob in this movie. Right. I listen. The ghost blowy stays or I walk. Um, the so the the emotion slime they start figuring out that it's making everybody feel bad, and it's basically you, you find out that it's sort of the the collected miasma of New York City's bad feelings. Right. 
Um, and you know, you so they this this scene is incredible actually. Like when when I think of Ghostbusters two, I always think of this one scene of them um, going to a manhole and like. You know, they're fully decked out in, uh, you know, road work outfits, and they, they dip down into this enormous flowing river of cotton candy covered, uh, colored goo. Um, guys, this shot, to say nothing else about anything else in this movie, that shot is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just being yeah. lowered down into, the, like, the river stick. The, yeah. Sticky? Ah. River sticky? Stick, sticky, um, river sticky. River sticky. Uh, and they come back up, uh, and immediately Ray is uh, Ray and Winston start fighting, and then realizing like, oh no, the goo is making us mean. And once again, they're being hassled by an oppressive government agency. The police come, and they're just the small business owner trying to fix something for people. And the police won't get off their case, and they're framed as such like that unbelievable that they would listen it, it is their right as americans to just dip dig a down hole into in this... first avenue <laughs> <laughs> yeah just burrow into the earth like a goddamn mole creature right, exactly <laughs> man they guys like this movie like looking back at so much of it it's just like you if you wanted to prime somebody give somebody a primer on the 1980s and the culture around it literally just show them the first two ghostbusters movies yeah, yeah. you're pretty good you're pretty good yeah yeah, you, um, you got Larry so, King in the first one. <laughs> oh man, ah, oh, that's right. He was man. I tell you what, uh, he. Oh, so uh, we get uh, heartwarming question mark scenes with uh, Peter Venkman and Oscar the baby. I will also say Oscar the ba- uh, Dana's baby Oscar, as movie babies go, also a really good movie baby. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Top ten. Yeah, yeah very much he's, so. He's got those leading man good looks, you know, like he he <laughs> cries and laughs when he needs to. Um, and, you know, you kind of get this thing of Peter, like, leeching back into Dana's life and being like, maybe, maybe I'm Oscar's dad now. And you know what? I'm, I'm going to admit, it kind of works for me. Yeah, it was, it was, it's, it's, it kind of gave him a chance to, like, regret how he'd been. Like, it almost gave him a chance for growth. Like, I could have been your dad. Like, this could have been me. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. well, that's not how biology works. You would have had a different son. <laughs> But you know, whatever. Um, yeah, it's fine. I'm fine with it. But the, this idea of, of I've been a, a, a jackass for most of my life, and now this kid's kind of giving him an opportunity to maybe turn a, a, a you know over a new leaf. I don't know. I I, I like that too. I, I I found that to be a, a good character moment for him. In an yeah. otherwise, I'm just gonna say smarmy things. That, that's what that's what my character is. This my was an opportunity is to be Bill Murray, right? Yeah, this was a chance yeah. To actually Bill Murray as played by Bill Murray, right? <clears throat> yeah, that's yeah, that's a really good point. Like at least it gives him another dimension aside from just being a, a sleazy con artist, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, now, of course, Dana, uh, uh, one of the other uh, sleazy, God, Dana is just beset by a gauntlet of sleazoids. Uh, she has been chosen by Janusz, uh, as, uh, the, the bride of Vigo the Carpathian, um, where, uh, Vigo, I, it's, is it ever actually, I'm, I'm gonna keep it 100 with you, I don't totally know, is it entirely based on Oscar the baby? Yeah, oh. so his, his whole shtick is that he want he needs a vessel, and so he needs a baby. So Oscar the baby, I guess, ma- matches his, his, uh... His dating profile set up. No, no, it, it was more. Oh. It was more. It was more. Yana's like, bring me a child, so I, I live again. 
And I think it was Janos was like, oh, I know a baby. <laughs> I know yeah. exactly what. I, 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 I can get you a baby. If you want a baby, I can get you a baby in about five minutes. I, you just, just tell me tell me when you need it. I'll, I'll yeah. get it. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. actually, that's that's right. For some reason, I had thought that it was Vigo with the Carpathian going, this specific baby. And, like, it had to be this one. Um, but, yeah, it's literally just like, whatever. So he goes, yeah, you can have this baby. Uh, BT dubs, can I, how lady so pretty? What if I date lady? And Vigo goes, what, uh, sure, man. Yeah, that's fine. And if I was Vigo, like, you know, this, like, autocrat, sorcerer, just, I'm going to rule the world, like, in the back of my head, like, this is what you're worried about? That you can get this chick? Like, do you know what I'm doing? Are you aware of what I'm doing? Like, okay, yeah. f- f- Fine. Go ahead. You know, it's 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 not bad to have ambition, Janos. Right. Like you can you can dream bigger than right. what if I date pretty lady. Right. Yeah, I can get a nice apartment in the upper. Yeah. Oh, right. A nice apartment? Really? Like we can sublet yeah. something? Like really? Yeah. It's like look. I know that she's very versatile and can both play the cello and curate art. But there's 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 life after Dana. Quincy, hello. Hello. How easy would you say it is to uh, have a website that anybody looks at without you directly putting it in front of them? Well, as someone who is trying to build a website solely for the tie-in wrap for Maniac Cop 2, it's pretty (laughs) difficult. It's pretty hard to get web traffic. Yeah, you really have to put the Maniac Cop 2 tie-in wrap in people's hands, you know, physically going door-to-door to try to get them, you know, to, to, to learn about it. Um, but apparently there is a better way. Uh, Quincy, are you familiar with Little Business Library? No, tell me more. Let me inform you. They uh, are a website that helps promote uh, your business. Uh, you get a 30-day free trial, um, and it's only $4 billed every month. And what they'll do is they will promote your business. They will... Uh, promote your portfolio, uh, they will get your name out there, which I think is pretty nice. Yeah, that's incredible uh, because it is exhausting to self-promote 24-7. Oh, it truly is. So you're going to want to go to littlebusinesslibrary.com. Uh, and again, they uh, you can cancel at any time uh, and they uh, will work with you to get the most out of your business, especially if that business involves uh, selling bootlegged VHS tapes out the back of your car. No longer. <laughs> No longer. You can have Little Business Library distribute your bootlegged copy of Pumpkinhead 2 Bloodwings. <laughs> so go, uh, guys, go check out uh, littlebusinesslibrary.com and make it happen. And yeah, like he's he's just a delightful little romping fella in this movie. Um, so the Ghostbusters uh, have a bunch of stuff that happens with the slime. They go to the mayor to be like, Everybody in New York City needs to fucking chill their shit because everybody feels bad all the time and it has created a river of goo um, beneath the city. And of course we get, you know, the mayor of New York City being like, being, what's the thing he says? Like being a miserable piece of shit is a every, every right. God-given right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, which is, man, all, America's love affair with how shitty New York City was. Um and their uh, assistant, who is basically sort of an EPA mucky muck XP. Yeah, um, he's, it's the same thing. It's the same kind of, he's the, the chief of staff to the mayor. So he has some level of power and he has them committed again. Yeah, yeah. Committed to a psych ward and because they're like, well, you know, like the mayor needs to get reelected. So, eh, you know, they, they have them committed. Um, and then, so at this point, the shit hits the fan 
Uh, Oscar the baby gets kidnapped uh, on a uh, on a uh, skyscraper ledge. Which, by the way, um, that scene still makes my fucking toes clench. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. legitimately like, scary. A yep. baby on a ledge, like I'm. It, oof. Yeah. No, I'm. I'm too. My my constitution is too delicate for this. Yep. <laughs> and so uh, they get kidnapped, and then at this point, what New York City just explodes into a hell dimension. Yeah, more or less. You've got like. The Titanic like, returns. So, what's the range? What is the range of this of this um, That's a, this slime? Because that, I, as far as I know, that's international waters. New York City does not have special claim over. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Over the North it, Atlantic. Yeah. Yeah. Just because it departed from, like, that's yeah. <clears throat> you're you're exactly right. Like, that's yeah. I don't. It's. The, the, the range of the goo is nebulous. I don't know if it's that it's, like, leached into the water and so somebody in, like, whales or something, like, their, their, co- their coat is going to eat them. I, I still think, because we, we skip, we glaze straight past this, but after they get arrested, the, the Scolari brothers, we oh, blew yeah. straight past that. That still scares me, and it's not even necessarily the Scolari brothers. It's the judges' fire and brimstone. Um, I want to see you die. I want to see you literally Burn die. Burn the stake. Yeah. <laughs> now this actually, let's talk about this guy. His performance. I feel like this actor was just off camera, like slapping himself in the face and doing jumping jacks before that camera rolled. Just and then he railed just, like, three lines of coke. <laughs> see, the, see, uh, Ryan, you, you were saying all these things. It's the '80s. It was cocaine. It oh, was it was him and Macho Man just fucking do it, like, doing fat fat rails in the handicap stall. And I will say about, about the 80s portrayed in this movie versus the 80s of 1984, this is 89. So this is, like, at the end of it. The 80s felt tired by then. Yeah, yep. this, this is, is a tired this is decade. Right before the, this is right before the cultural switch over to heroin. As the thing that we're all going to be doing, and it's yeah, it's oof, it's it's a it, lot. It's not a, it's not as as it's not as over the top. It is ti- yeah, you're right. It's a lot more tired. It's a lot more gritty and real. And we've got a lot more sadness in the in our in things. We finally realized. Oh wait, maybe unchecked capitalism is not the best thing on the planet. <laughs> However, I'm still yeah. going to rail cocaine and and. And and ignore all of my problems. Right. That's exactly what it is. Is like we're you know fully uh, one year into the George H. W. Bush administration, and everybody's like, well, maybe hollowing out uh, every part of our uh, social safety net wasn't a great idea. I'll you know listen. The only thing that I can do to feel anything anymore is cocaine. So I'm gonna do that. And it's just yeah, it's like at the very end of the party. Like I have a rule right. with parties from college, which is always leave before three in the morning because. Mm-hmm. Nothing happens at any party after three in the morning that you care to be there for. Agreed. Um, yep. It's yeah. Even aside from the fact that I'm tired, like I'm 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 a 34 year old tired goblin creature who's like you know 10 o'clock at night going like, well, gotta hit the dusty. Um, <laughs> but you know, so we, you know, like that scene where it's basically uh, the judicial system, which you know, the thing is, it is definitely corrupt, but not in the way that this movie is like. You know, they're they're uh, the judge is screaming at them about how he literally just wants to, to watch them get like you know hung, drawn, and quartered. That scene still scares the piss out of me when the Scolari brothers pop out. Yep, and, and I like how how they they build to it. Like you've yes. got the the goo and it's bubbling and it starts bubbling a little bit and more and more. And the only people who know what's going to happen is the 
is our, our erstwhile heroes. They mm-hmm. see what's going to happen, they know what's going to happen, and they can like pinpoint it. And it builds, and the music is setting, music setting the tempo, things are changing, he's getting affected by the slime, Yeah, the slime is being affected by him, it's a feedback loop, and then the Scolari brothers literally explode out of the floor. It's great. Like it's 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 fucking incredible. It's also uh, Very I feel quick like there's trial too. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much just showed up and Happened the judge just like day. throws garbage at them. Right, and you're going to be electrocuted now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if I could burn you at the stake, by the way, I want to burn them at the stake. Does anyone he- hear me right now? I'm right. going to. <laughs> He's. It's just him with like a can of like Aquanet pink and a lighter, just sitting there, <laughs> right. just staring at Peter Venkman. Um now, it's also, I feel like the 80s had a big thing with, like, courtroom scenes. Like, I'm thinking of the one in uh, Tango and Cash, where, mm, you know, you get mm-hmm. Kurt Russell, with a great Kurt Russell delivery of going, like, ah, this is fucking bullshit. Uh, and it's basically, like, that's kind of what the Ghostbusters are doing with, the you know, these trumped-up charges, man. Yeah. Shit, ha- um, shit happens, and who are you going to call? Yeah, shit happens, and who are you going to call? <laughs> and it's, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to say, I think that, to me, is the connective tissue between the the cocaine optimism of 1984 <laughs> and the cocaine burnout of 1989. Yeah. No, is, yeah. That makes a lot, yeah. It, it, it's, yeah. I, I don't know. It, that, that, that whole, I love that, cocaine optimism. That's that's a that's an indie rock band album waiting to happen. <laughs> Just completely uh he so uh the positive motions what they decide to do so uh now that new york city is going fully ham sandwich uh cats and dogs living together etc um the mayor goes to the ghostbusters and is like pulls to to unfuck new york city and they they figure you know that the the way to counter all of this negative energy uh mucking up the city is to focus on a symbol of all that is good about New York City that everybody can get behind, which, of course, is the Statue of Liberty. I, I legitimately love this. Like, it, yeah. it is a- actively... Like, they, they go to the library, they go to the, the, the art museum, and it's been encased in a thing, and they shoot at it, and they're all just kind of like, well, that sucks. No one in this town is actually nice anymore, so we can't break through this. And then they they realize they've got all this... You know, they go to the Statue of Liberty, they spray slime everywhere, and they play Your Love is li- making me hi- or higher and higher, which is I, perfect. I, I love it. I love I le- it. And I legitimately love that this movie ends on optimism, mm-hmm. which is yeah. so fucking rare in comedy, particularly 80s cynical comedy. Oh, yeah. Is that it ends on a moment of, we're going to... I mean, cynically, you could take it as, well, a symbol of the... A giant symbol of America is smashing into an art gallery where an effeminate uh, an effeminate foreigner has taken uh, possession of a child. <laughs> sure, you could say that. Or that he they have. <laughs> or well, they, especially... have... <laughs> they have saved it with with the power of you know burning American freedom and happiness. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, there is the fact that, like, you know, Janos, I feel like, is like gently playing on Cold War. But I mean, that's the thing, though. You know, Janos would have been a much more menacing character in the 1984 Ghostbusters. By 1989, the Soviet Union was, was basically yes. yeah, it was basically Glass Joe at that right. point. And so, <laughs> you know, you've got this little like ineffective, vaguely Eastern European guy that you can kind of go, "Oh, little guy." Uh, you want to give him yeah. a noogie, basically? <laughs> like, ah, you little scamp. He's basically right. Yakov Smirnov with a gun. Um, 
And so they they uh, animate the Statue of Liberty, which, by the way, first, two things are true. Um, this doesn't make a lick of goddamn sense that they animated the Statue of Liberty using the slime. Second no. of all, don't care. Don't Love care. it. Yeah, Love but, it. And they, they control it with a, with a Nintendo fight pad. Well, I think I think yeah. at this point you're at the end of a two movie cycle where we have watched women and men become dogs, an interdimensional rift open up above Central Park West, um, a, a marshmallow man appears. We're okay. Like my my yeah. my, my disbelief has been suspended. Like I, I'm yeah, I'm okay. Was, <laughs> yeah, the stat, the Statue of Liberty walking around was not going to break it. Like this is yeah. Yeah, I wasn't gonna get to the end of this and be like, well that that's not gonna fucking happen. What is what is this? this yeah, is, is this yeah. made and, up? Yeah, and, and, and actually I kind of I, I love now and I don't mean to navel gaze, but I kind of love about the Statue of Liberty being a, a symbol of hope. Because as you know, America is garbage to foreigners and always has been and hasn't lived up to any of the things that the Statue of Liberty is meant to stand for. But I think that's what it is, is like it's the idea of the thing instead of the actual way the yeah. thing shook out. Like we, we, we could be this way. Yeah, it's looking forward in 1984 going, you know what, God damn it, New York City, that's the best city in the world, and it's because, you know, everybody comes here and it's a huge, you know, whatever. Like, I, that totally works for me as just, it's like Captain America as, like, the symbol of what America should be. Right. Rather than, rather than actually just being a mouthpiece for what America is, which would just be, like, Rush Limbaugh. Um, now, so they eventually, uh, what... Who would now be they, in Ghostbusters too because... He's a ghost. Hey! Uh, <laughs> turn down for what thumps in the distance. Uh, they, they, they break through the slime barrier because of all the good, good feelings. Um, and they, of course, stop Vigo the Carpathian. Yeah, yeah. Um, I also kind of feel like Dana doesn't have enough to do during this movie. She doesn't. And because and, and, she was an integral part, like, you know, she was a really classy woman. And she was like, she was empowered. She, like, kind of got the the plot going, you know. Mm -hmm. With you know, she she mm -hmm. was in you know in the penthouse apartment of Spook Central, and she really should move. Yeah, big I time. Know she looks there. Um. So, but, but like, for well, me, like, if I had been there, like, I would have moved to like Iowa. Like, yeah, but no oh, tall where, where do you? Okay, if she is. So we have established that something about her is is attracts the paranormal and the psychic activity. There is no place in America she could move where there would not be ghosts coming after her. Particular the mid uh, yeah. oh Midwest uh, the, would just be all Native Americans oh, and buffaloes yes. chasing her. Exactly. Um, so, but you're right, Ryan. That in the first one, like she she had a very important role to play in everything, and she was also she humanized this big conflict, like, oh, wow, the world's going to end. But I really want to make sure that Sigourney Weaver is going to be okay. Right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, she's like, you know, she turned into a dog, so we want to make sure that she's all right. And this one, you don't want her baby to become Vigo, but she just kind of is there. And, right. and, and that's that's unfortunate to turn a pretty great character into that. Yeah, I, th I think that's one of the bummers, is that, like, it's Sigourney Weaver. Like, it's, it's. I mean, not unforgivable to me to waste a Sigourney Weaver performance, because, like, she is good in this, like, as in everything. Yeah. Um, I'm yeah, such... God, I'm such a fanboy for Sigourney Weaver. Um, But, so, yeah, so she's there. Like, I don't know, when they defeat Vigo, um, why, how does it... I'm, I'm, I always... 
for some reason, the climax of Ghostbusters 2, I always blank on. How do they defeat him? So it turns, it's, it's midnight on New Year's Eve, and everyone, they have supercharged the positivity of New York. And I assume, and it causes Vigo to kind of like, uh, headache from good feelings. And so they blow, they use the slime blowers to destroy the painting and then they shoot it with the proton packs because, yeah. Um, yeah. And then it blows up, it blows up Vigo back into the ghost hell dimension. Um, yeah, which I, I do appreciate that the practical effects in this movie, because like if they made Ghostbusters 2 now, it would just be lousy with CG. I love that it just looks gooey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. It's a good goo movie. Um, and yeah, so they, they, they blow him up and everything is fine. The baby is rescued. And uh, now, uh, as you mentioned previously, it is New, uh, it's, uh, New Year's Eve in New York City. So everybody outside who almost just died... Uh, is just singing Auld Lang Syne, which, by the way, how do y'all feel about Auld Lang Syne as a song? I can never figure out how I feel about it. it I have a very strange memory associated with Auld, Auld Lang Syne. There's a video of a of a penguin in a Japanese zoo dancing to Auld Lang Syne, <laughs> and that sounds like the most terrifying thing I've ever no, heard. No, it is it is this it is this adorable, happy feeling where it's just every time I watch it, I'm like, yes. There is good in the world because of this stupid fucking penguin. Hell yeah. Um, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. So it it's one of those songs where you either... it It's not good unless there's something attached to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because by itself yeah. is just this sinister... It's like Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. You can't just have that song <laughs> playing. There has to be something going on. No, because if, 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 if there's nothing else happening, it's just like a bunch of twins skipping rope. And you're waiting for some nightmare to happen. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, sign, yeah. Like it, 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 it's cloying unless it's actually attached to something serious. Which I, I and my, my biggest memory of it is, is it's a wonderful life at the end. And that's, that's a super yeah. positive yeah. feeling. So I have a feel, positive feeling attached to it. I'm, um, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to keep it 100 with you. I've never actually seen it's a wonderful life. Oh, it's good. Oh, it's, it's so good. It's, it's, and it's one of those that like, you know, oh, there's these classic movies that you have to see. And you see some of them, like, oh, they're great for their time. I understand it. It's a Wonderful Life's Wonderful. Yes. It, it's... If you're ever feeling irony poisoned, watch It's a Wonderful Life because it's sincere. And so, yeah. so few movies are actually sincere. Yeah. And I mean, it's. It's really great. Yeah. Um, I. So the thing, I'll, you know, about Ghostbusters, there are, there are lines that I say. Dogs and you mentioned one earlier, Ryan. Dogs and cats living together. Mm-hmm. Comma, master. I don't even realize I'm. I don't even saying. I don't even realize I'm saying it. It's just part of my lexicon now. It's part of your emotion goo. Like it's just it's exactly. it's soaked in there, and you, you you can't get rid of it. Um, there there since, are lines. Since graduating, since graduating college, I have actually been able to use back off, man. I'm a scientist. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So there's lines from the first one that are just, it's one of the most quotable movies. It has so many great lines. This one has some good ones, and I and I forgot about them until I watched this again. Um, my favorite is Suck in the Guts Guys or the Ghostbusters. Oh, yeah, Suck in the Guts Guys. <laughs> like, I love that because of how schlubby they all are. Like, they yeah. even, because at the end of the day, they're, they're some goons in jumpsuits. Uh, right. I, I think, uh, upon rewatching this, I think... Egon might be my favorite Ghostbuster. Agreed. He's just 
he's just a gentleman. I just love him. Uh, mm-hmm. And yeah, <laughs> so the the Statue of Liberty uh, stalks back to Liberty Island. We've got now, and I will say the soundtrack on Ghostbusters Two slaps. Like, yep. like uh, the, the music cues in this in this movie fucking rule. Um, but yeah, like this movie, I I feel like uh, I all right. I don't know if it's a good movie, but I know that I love it with my whole heart. Mm. I, I I get that because there's there's. It's definitely not as good as the first one. Mm-hmm. However, that doesn't mean anything. That's it doesn't. So, no, right. no, you, you can't. You, that is lazy. If you're just trying to compare it to the first one, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. The first one is, is a com, It's it's a masterpiece. It, it, the first Ghostbusters is a com, comedic masterpiece. It is not fair to then judge anything based on that. You should you should judge it on its own merits. Mm-hmm. And and I went into watching this movie with that mindset. Like I'm just going to watch this movie. I'm not going to think about the first movie. And it's pretty good. Yeah, there's some there's some funny parts in this. There there's some legit creepy parts. The the tub monster. Oh god, yeah. Oh was, the tub was, the tub monster is upsetting. Yeah, um, yeah. I will say I I preferred <clears throat> Elmer Bernstein's score over this score. Mm-hmm. I like the theremin music in it. Yeah, in the yep. first one, and the, and there wasn't any in this one. It was more just kind of just almost generic comedy sounding yeah some of it i didn't like that but again it, it not comparing it to the first one that, that was the only thing I'd, I'd compare compare the first one with this one was the music was that i preferred elmer bernstein's score to i think this is danny edelman i think he did it um so it was just, it was just a different composer so they, they didn't bring over the same musical same, yeah. same tone yeah like it's just not the same yeah. same sort of thing which sounds like but, they wanted danny elfman yeah. but they didn't ask any more questions after they <laughs> danny elfman did, did you say danny elfman <laughs> yeah yeah danny elfman yeah yeah, yeah, yeah him, him he's good <laughs> <laughs> yeah well it's like the the, the theremin music gives the original gives ghostbusters a a kind of 50s b movie yeah. feel to it and this is way more Again, it's this is a serious movie for serious people. Damn it! <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're talking about <laughs> cynicism and the collapse of society and and you know urban alienation and yeah, yeah, completely. Like, uh, yeah, I think you're totally right. Like the the I, I do prefer the, the the score from the first Ghostbusters. This movie, I think, I appreciate that it's in 1989, kind of trying to do a deconstruction of the stuff set up in the first one, and I don't know that it always yeah. succeeds. Like, it's juggling a lot of stuff. That it doesn't always manage to catch, but it's also here's the thing, it's Ghostbusters two, like, you, you know we can dig through whether or not it's a good movie, but the the beats of this movie and the stuff that happens in it is so like keyed into my brain from having watched it so many times, that whether or not it's a good movie is almost irrelevant to me. Yeah, yeah, like no, that's a that's a great point, and 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 to your, the, the deconstruction thing, that's why I say that the first half of this movie is actually really interesting because it, you know, it's, you have first blood right. and then you make Rambo two. And basically Rambo two is, Hey, first blood was kind of serious movie. There's some serious parts in it. Mm-hmm. Let's just eject those. And then <clears throat> Rambo is going to shoot a crossbow and a bow at people and come out, you know, and be crazy. Well, yeah, so it's, it, it's sort of like it, what RoboCop two and three did to RoboCop, where it's like the first right. one is like, we live in a fascist police state. And then RoboCop two and three go, and that's great. Yeah. Let's continue yes. on with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one was, it, it was interesting because it, it, it did do something different for a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I appreciated that they they weren't trying to make the same movie again. 
until they started making the same movie again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they just started making Ghostbusters. Yeah, completely. But um, now this was it, this was fun because I I've shown my kids Ghostbusters, which to to your point, Lucas, you know, I'm like, oh yeah, Ghostbusters. I grew up watching this movie. This is great. And then you start watching, and it's like, why am I showing my kids this movie? <laughs> I'm a terrible parent. This is awful. I, I, this is just nightmare fuel. <laughs> yeah, like no, don't leave your kids alone with Peter Venkman. He's going to say all kinds of things to them. It's ugh, it's it's it's, hor- it's horrifying. Um, so yeah. So all right. So let's let's dive into the ranking uh, portion uh, of of the uh, of the podcast. Looking at the list. So uh, going with uh, deconstructionist sequels. Uh, at number sixty, we have the Texas Chainsaw Massacre two. Um, which do we think is a better movie, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre Two or uh, Ghostbusters Two? I'm gonna. I, man, I don't that, is, know. that is that is that is apples and oranges. It really right is. There, yeah, but, <laughs> yeah. It's like all right. So which is a better book, Good Night Moon or Finnegan's Wake? And it's like, oh, right. fuck, come on, <laughs> doing different exactly. things, man. Exactly. I, I'm gonna go with Ghostbusters Two just because of my my affinity for for this this gang mm-hmm. of people. Yeah, yeah, totally. I think now, I agree with that. Uh, so look at this a little bit at number 51, we have uh, Sam Raimi's evil dead two, which kind of does the same thing. Ghostbusters two does of remember that last movie. Here's that again on the second half. Um, which do we think is better evil dead two or ghostbusters two? I honestly, in looking at your list, I would put it at fifth at the new 52. Wow. All right. In between 50, uh, I put it in between evil dead Two and Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, the the original George Romero Dawn of the Dead. Why? I, why, why is that? Do you think? I. I think with Evil Dead Two, um, it. It's just a weird little movie, and and the 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 camera work in it, and it's 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 kind of done on like a really shoestring budget. I mean, Ghostbusters Two is a major production. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just love the creativity in Evil Dead 2. I have fond memories of watching that one. Oh, yeah. And they didn't, um, and they didn't even have a cocaine budget for Evil Dead 2 the way they did for those No, Avengers. no, no. That was, that was, yeah. There was that, no they, cocaine in Michigan in, uh, around that time. No, that, right. was just a, that was just a mom and pop operation. Right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Locally sourced, um, yeah, mom and pop cocaine. Right. It was, <laughs> exactly. Um, no, I, I just think that there's a, just a lot more heart to it they all it all seemed like they were really enjoying themselves making it whereas in ghostbusters 2 they're not but yeah. i still feel like it was a it was a it's an underappreciated movie i think that a lot of folks say like oh ghostbusters 2 is the reason why there's no more ghostbusters and the reason why there's no more ghostbusters was bill murray um it wasn't this movie <laughs> yeah, right um this movie was was fine mm-hmm. it just wasn't um it wasn't ghostbusters but that's okay right um i still feel like i feel like evil dead 2's just a little bit better just because of the heart that was in that production. Yeah. But it's mm-hmm. still a pretty pretty solid sequel. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Lucas, what do you think? I think I, I think I agree with that. Um, and I do think it's probably a little bit more enjoyable than Dawn of the Dead. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. just it's because, positive. <laughs> yeah, it's, it ends on a positive note, and it's, and it's doing a similar thing about ten years earlier, and it's also done a little bit more optimistically which i will always appreciate optimism Mm -hmm. yeah and also dawn of the dead i i I love that movie very much but it does go on for a while 
Um, mm-hmm. And I think that Ghostbusters 2, it, it sort of knows what it's doing. It's it's like, it's sure, it's, uh, it's a little bit cynical. You know, it's cynical. It's a little bit bloated. It's 1989. It's kind of, you know, it, it's everybody uh, in the movie except for uh, Janusz sort of looks like they need uh, a couple cups of coffee and a cigarette and a shower before they can really get going. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I, you know, and I think that, yeah, Dawn of the Dead, um, like, I love that movie, but th- there are bits of it that are just like, I don't need this many montages of like, yeah, George Romero, I get it. Consumerism is bad. Like, I, you know, right. <laughs> you, know you need to scream that. It's three in the morning. I'm trying to sleep. Please stop. Um, yeah. right. Humans are the real monsters. You haven't said that multiple times already. Yeah, you haven't had right. Tom Savini, the biker, literally whisper that into my ear with his wet breath. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, so I feel really good about that. So coming in uh, at our new number 52, uh, under Evil Dead 2 and above uh, Dawn of the Dead is Ghostbusters 2. Fellas, right. thank you so much for being on the podcast. This was a complete... Thank you for having us. Yeah, Ryan, this is amazing. Thank you. Um, yes. Where can our listeners find you on the internet? So we can be found on basically every major uh, streaming platform. Uh, We will be updating a new episode later this week, hopefully, if I can manage to get it together. Um, We have taken a little bit of a hiatus just for personal reasons this year, Um, but I got another episode. We have both an episode of Sword and Board dropping on swordandboard.podbean.com and Spotify. And Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts and basically everything you could use. We also will have another episode of our spinoff project, Board, James Board, dropping later as well. <laughs> Dad's really excited about that one. Yeah. Hell yeah. Um, it, also, that uh, Board, James Board is just f- fantastic. Like, I, I love that podcast. We can be found at Sword in Boardcast on Twitter. I am occasionally shitposting, um, but also on... Uh, Instagram at the same header uh, that's dead very very dead but I should probably get back to that eventually <laughs> that's um, and, and, if you, and if you ever listen to us and you think man that music that music's yes. pretty swell um, you can thank Ryan for that so again yes. thank you for uh, for both of our our, our theme songs for our, our, uh, our podcast they're, I, they're amazing I get the board James board melody stuck in my head like every other day yep like it's yep. Yep. yeah those, so guys <laughs> go check those podcasts out it's it's a it, it's a fucking delight um, as always uh, rank and vile you can find us on uh, Twitter at rank and vile cast which by the way that that you mentioned like uh, the you know the Instagram is dead I feel like when you run a podcast like this it's always there's gonna be so many outlets where you're like I, we have a neopets we update it sometimes we do <laughs> Letterbox reviews, um, but yeah, you can find us on uh, Letterbox at Rank and Vile uh, on Instagram at Just Rank and Vile. Um, and if you have a movie that you would like us to talk about, you're going to want to send that to Rank and at gmail.com where you can also send us pretty much anything. I shouldn't say that; I'm going to get horrifying things. Um, but yeah, that is about all I've got. Have a good week, folks. <laughs>